Welcome to the Earthian Podcast, where I explore the everyday stories, emotions, and realities that make up the human experience as we know it on Earth. Today's guest lives in San Francisco, California. I met her at school and was immediately drawn to her unique way of being and doing things. In a school full of weirdos, she was one of the weirdest. She has a raw and unapologetic way of living life that inspired me. In this conversation, we talk about why she doesn't care for cultural norms. We talk about how she spent a year living in an RV with her parents. We talk about the quietness that she experienced being in the middle of nowhere and then going back to society where all the rules and expectations were. This is my conversation with Veda Chase. Um, well, my rule is it's, it's not comfortable. I'm just not wearing it. And I feel like there's an edge where you can wear something comfortable for other people. Yeah, right. But so if that's it's what uncomfortable, I, I'm not wearing it. Yeah, so that's like the, that's like the line that I try to toe. And it's the same thing. It's like, okay, I like to wear this, but how do people perceive me? And mm-hmm. it's like, do I want to play this fashion game yeah. with other people and, you know, match up to their societal standards? <laughs> I think I think that's a good place to start because, like, when I got my job at, at Fictive, I actually had to go and buy, like, $200 worth of clothing because I realized every single piece of clothing I owned is essentially shop clothing. Mm. Um, so all of my clothes either were stained with oil or glue or paint or they had a tear or another tear or I'd been wearing that shirt since I was 17 because, I don't know, it fits and I bought it a long time ago. Why spend more money? Um, and then I realized I had to like go to work in an office setting and it was a real bummer. <laughs> yeah. But there is a give and take on that because it's not like I bought like... I didn't, like, go to H&M, H&M or something. I've never even been in H&M. Um, <laughs> um, I went to an Old Navy for the first time. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I also went to Gap. That w- I walked out pretty quickly. I didn't actually end up buying a lot of new clothes. I just bought some new pants. Mm. And then I went to Goodwill and bought, like, a bunch of weird patterned blouses. Because there's a line that I'm not going to cross, which is <laughs> I'm not going to stop wearing bright colors. Right. Because that sounds really uncomfortable to me. Mm. I don't. That's interesting. Why Why do you wear bright colors? Why wouldn't I? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's. Um, you might want to get closer to the mic. Closer. A little bit, yeah. Bright colors are just something I'm always attracted to. I feel like they're incorrectly associated with like specific themes, at least in western culture like they're often associated with like children or artsy people or i don't i don't know flowers are really one of the only naturally occurring places you see bright colors so it's like weird associations and none of them are really what i'm going for i just feel more comfortable when i'm surrounded by colors Hmm. um like the first thing i do when i move into a house is generally i i take i have a collection of magazine clippings and art prints and CDs or receipts, just weird, weird shit um, that I've collected over the past like 10 years. And I keep it all in a portfolio folder. And every time I move into a new house, I cover every single white spot in my bedroom with that. So there's like an eclecticism of texture and Mm. colors around me instead of white walls. 
because the white walls make me feel kind of depressed and weird. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Um, because knowing you, um, I feel like you're a fairly, like, in introspective, like, you're, I feel like we're kindred spirits in a way, uh-huh. in that I'm always thinking about dark shit. Uh-huh. I'm always thinking about, um, like, death. And, yeah. And... You know, that kind of thing. And I wear dark colors just because it makes me comfortable. Like, I wear black and gray and blue. You know, dark blues. Okay. So, yeah. I, I wonder, like, why... What is it about colorful clothes and colorful environments that you like? Is it not, like... Is it to, is it a way to, like, lift your mood? Or is it a way to, like, reflect your internal state? Um, I don't know. It's a... I guess it's a comfort thing. Um, I think I'm comfortable with... Like, have you ever heard of the con- the visual concept of greeble? No. Okay, so look up the word greeble sometime. It's actually an application usually used in sci-fi design, where you basically take um, various shapes that you feel relevant to the concept that you are designing, and you over-apply them mm. to the extent that, from far away, it looks like a texture, but when you get up close, it's like satellite dishes and things. Mm-hmm. Um, and like small guns or turrets or whatever. Um, but essentially, greeble is also how I would describe the life of a person who hoards objects. Mm. Um, which, I have a number of hoarders in my family. I am not one. Um, save this weird consumption of paper goods. <laughs> um, I try not to keep too many objects around. But I definitely spent a lot of time in houses where, like, you know, there were just walkways between the objects in the house. Mm. And so I'm a lot more comfortable when the wall face wall space is filled. Right. Um, on the flip side, I did have I have like a relative who kept their houses very minimal, and I enjoy the spaces of their house that were for like socializing or that are used to perform a specific action, like the bathroom or the kitchen, where you kind of need a set of organization. And you need a clear space to be able to build in. But when it comes to, like, my bedroom, where I will be probably building or sleeping or just passing out or whatever, I want all the wall space covered (laughs) most of the time. What's weird is that the new apartment I'm living in, we actually haven't covered the walls, which is super unusual. I'm not sure why yet. I've been thinking about it a lot. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I have my portfolio. It's been sitting there full of, like, all of the things. I think I'm afraid of putting holes in these walls because I actually signed a lease. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Which all the other places I've lived in, I was kind of just a squatter. So, like, I would just do whatever. And then when I left, I'd just throw up some, like... Some some uh some filler and like do a soft paint and then leave. Yeah. And it didn't really matter because it's not like my name was on anything. Right. Yeah. But like now it is, and I like my landlord, and technically the walls are his, so I feel like I can't do that. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Oh, okay, that's interesting. But like the house I grew up in, um, was well for most of my life was owned by my great grandmother. Where was it? Um. Out in uh, Fairhaven, California. It's on the edge of, like, Arcata, California. Uh, Situated, like, right next to the fucking water. Quiet as crap out there. Uh, But the house was owned by my grandmother, 
until she passed and then my mom inherited it so we basically just ended up staying there because like that was the cheapest option it makes sense but because we owned it there was never any really limitations on what could be done in my bedroom Mm -hmm. like it was it was my room if I wanted to paint the wall purple and then stencil Tom and Jerry on it, I was absolutely allowed to, and I did. Hmm. Um, it, I would often run out of space to store things that I build, so I started nailing them to the ceiling. Um, and in that way, <laughs> I probably started reflecting the weird hoarder aspects of my family. Yeah. So, like, in high school, my bedroom had, like, sculptures nailed to the ceiling because I didn't have anywhere else to put them at that point. Um, when, when I just run out of space, I still just attach things to the wall. Like yeah. if you, if you don't have a table, just go higher <laughs> basically <laughs> is my motto. Um, I lived in a, a very, very small room for a while here in SF and, um, my partner Evan and I, we didn't really own any furniture. And so for like the first four years we were together, most of our furniture was built out of cardboard and duct tape. So we built like shelves all the way to the ceiling out of cardboard and duct tape that would hold every single object that we owned so it wouldn't be on top of things. So we had a bedroom that was just slightly bigger than our bed. Like, there was a walkway around the edge, but from floor to ceiling, the walls were not there because Mm. we had built these, like, small shelves out of cardboard that we had tacked into the walls. And they weren't standing, like, they didn't touch the ground, but we built a lot of these little cardboard shelves that we tacked into the walls and those held like all the things, and in that in that way, we actually didn't do most of the, most of the the flat posters because we had to put physical objects on the walls. Right. So I don't know. In a roundabout way, I just enjoy I enjoy active spaces that have too much in them, and I think that's why I wear colors. <laughs> Damn, that's interesting. <laughs> that's interesting because I I went back to uh, Portland recently for to visit my brother, mm-hmm. and I sat at his place, and he had so much shit everywhere. Like mm-hmm. he had, I mean, there was so much stuff that he was spilling. It, like it was just him and his wife, and it was spilling into their garage. And I was like, how do you have so much stuff that it can't fit in like two rooms? Yeah, which is you yeah. Know, Here yeah. We go. Where yeah. we are right now. Yeah. yeah. Um so it's kind of interesting. I've been playing around with the idea of like white space mm-hmm. and you know, taking it from graphics design and applying it to life and seeing What do you do? Sit down and read a bunch of Kenya Hara? What's that? The guy who runs Muji. No. He's literally has a book called White. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's all about white space. Yeah. Like, the concept of white yeah. includes white space, but it's not explicitly about... Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like sometimes I can't breathe. Like, I went to New York and for the first time last year, and... I still haven't been there. There were so many people. Mm-hmm. Like, we went to just a random wall, uh, Whole Foods in the city. I think we were in Manhattan. And, like, it was so many people in the park right across the street that I... I started feeling nauseous. What? Like, that's how okay. many people there were. It was, yeah. like, a huge park. And it was covered with people. It was kind of like Dolores Park, you know, on a, yeah. on a good day. Like a sunny day or something. I've never actually been to Dolores Park on a sunny day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I don't usually go and hang out where a lot of people are hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I go to the park next door where there might be a baseball team and I'll use the basketball court. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, on that subject about lots of people, that's one of the weird things about living with Evan is that he's that same way. He gets really, um, uncomfortable and yeah, sometimes literally nauseous in extremely tight situations, mm. like physically tight, um, sensory tight. So like if there's a lot of stuff around, but that's I interesting. Not. I do not. <laughs> yeah. Um, Though, so how do you guys like live together then? Like how do you guys exist in the same space if you're almost opposite? Because <laughs> I like the way he do. <laughs> mm. But like, does does it bother him if you put up too much shit? No. In the, in the room, no. No, because that's our stuff. Got it. If yeah. it's like in a strange place. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's 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 a strange place kind of deal. Um. But like. I don't know. I've always wanted to go to New York because it's supposed to be so busy. I'm interested in those situations where there's too much information at once. But then mm. I'd like to leave because I do get tired. Yeah. Um, I often get tired. I like to explore those situations on my own terms. Right. Yeah. If there's a, a, a point where like I have to be somewhere or I have to be in a situation that immediately ruins it. And then I don't want to be there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I like New York. Uh, just the, the few days I was there, it feels very honest. Like they'll they'll tell you what they think, and they're not nice just to be yeah friendly. They're they will be whoever they are and however the fuck they feel. Yeah, and that's kind of refreshing. Cause Is it are people like here not the same, not like that? I don't think so. I don't feel like I know I, enough I, people to make that judgment. <laughs> yeah. I feel, I feel like... Okay, like, one example is going to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. This is how... <laughs> maybe this is me, like, how dysfunctional I am. But, like, I, if I go to the grocery store and someone tries to talk to me, like, a cashier tries to talk to me, I'm like, what are you... Like, I don't... I'm not going to trade pleasantries just because... No. Just because. No, I don't want to talk to the to the cashier. Exactly. Like, there's... <laughs> I mean, it's a transaction. Let's yeah. just do it and then, you know, let's go. Yeah. Um, that's how people in New York are and people here, they, they tend to have those little things more often. Those small transactions. Yeah. I heard it described like New York people are cold and then as you get to know them over time, they warm Uh up. I mean, that makes sense to me. People here, um, they're warm in the beginning and then they start to get colder as you get a as you get to know them. I don't really understand that concept i don't think i've experienced that Hmm. um but at the same time like i don't know like i feel like that's a comparison just between here in new york and then people who are from like many other places would come here and say that our pleasantries aren't enough Hmm. and say that like New York is on a whole other spectrum, but that, like, here, they're like, why doesn't the cashier talk to me that much? Right, I think that really just comes down to where you're from, and when I, when I hear about those kinds of comparisons, it's almost like they kind of go in one side of my head and out the other, because it's all perspective, Mm. and at that point, like, nobody's talking, nobody's talking definitives at that point. Yeah. Like, you can't definitively say that one is here nor there it's all just perspective so 
Yeah, it's all just contrasting with what you've experienced. Yeah, so like yeah. unless unless you're looking to apply that comparison, my my brain like kind of loses context hmm. because I just I don't I don't see the reason for the comparison. Um, like unless unless you're trying to definitively say something. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, really the end outcome is, yes, people are different everywhere. That's that's it. That's the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody is really colder or warmer, at least in my eyes. It's just you're in a different place, so it's going to be different. Right. And that's all you can expect. That's yeah. all you can really know. Yeah, that's true. I, I So we t- I talked to Kevin, one of our mutual friends. Yeah. And I come from Portland. He comes from New York. Mm-hmm. We both end up in San Francisco together, and my perception of San Francisco, this is, we're talking about fashion, so it's very yeah. superficial, but like, when I came to San Francisco, I was like, oh, people dress really well here. Dude, right? Compared to Portland. Yeah. <laughs> he came here, and he said, He's like, what? people do not dress up here. They're so <laughs> lazy with their fashion. And, exactly. And, and so it's it's interesting, like, our perceptions of the, the same thing is, is totally different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. That reminds me of a conversation I was listening to last night. Um, some people were all having drinks together because it was a co-worker's birthday. And they were all trying to... They were all discussing what instrument would make a person more attractive to date. And my entire brain was like, this is a misnomer conversation. <laughs> I was just like... This is going nowhere. And mm. Actually, during that conversation is when I left because I was like, well, I've lost interest in what's happening. So what, what does that mean? Like uh, being, do you think that conversations have to lead to direct or measurable outputs or what is that? No, it's just like, well, obviously every person is going to think something different. So there's not going to be any sort of output and it's not really going to be much of an exploration Hmm. because everybody is so different i mean first of all you got you got different sexualities in the room so they're all looking for different types of people and then each of them is a different type of person and then on top of that they all probably enjoy different types of sounds Hmm. so then based on their type of sounds that they enjoy they're going to lean towards different instruments and different people and then on top of that they all have different visual aesthetics so that's going to be part of the equation as well. And though you're going to get an interesting crosscut of each person's personal perception, you're not going to come to any sort of conclusions of when it comes to the initial question which is asked, which yeah. is, what is the sexiest instrument? Yeah. And to me, it almost comes down to literal phrasing at that point, where my brain's like, you shouldn't have asked what the sexiest instrument is. <laughs> <laughs> you should have asked, what do you think the sexiest instrument would be on a person that you like? Mm. And mm-hmm. I think that's just a problem with me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I would, definitely, I would definitely be a person to get caught up in a conversation like that just for fun. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting to listen to until it just kind of became a shouting match. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was just a lot of discussion about, like, guitars and drums and pretty much anything that wasn't a guitar or drum was excluded from the conversation. Mm. Yeah. 
So basically, what I took away was that most people only know what four-piece bands are, and anything outside of that is totally <laughs> a mystery to them. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to how you grew up. So where where'd you grow up? I, I remember talking about it a little bit with you before, but mm-hmm. I don't know like the full story. Um, so mostly I grew up in Humboldt County. I I consider that where I'm from because I was born there and then I moved back there and like that's where I was before I moved to San Francisco. Um, But like in my mind, I've lived in a lot of different places. Um, So I lived in Humboldt County for most of my life because my my parents met there. It's just where we were. Um, But then, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I think the most, the most prominent place I've lived, like the the place I've lived that I remember the best, actually wasn't a place, it was an RV. Mm. Um, I don't remember exactly how old I was. I think I was like eight or nine, maybe ten. But my parents sold their business, which was a restaurant, and they bought an RV. And I don't really remember how long it was, and I don't remember how much school I missed, but we went to a lot of places, um, mostly national parks. I can't remember how much of it was vacation and how much of it was my mom working, because she was, I can't remember if she would even graduated yet. I can't remember if she was working on her bachelor's still. I think she was still working on her bachelor's, but she's always been interested in archaeology and, like, land survey and national monuments uh, and, like, physical history. So there was a lot of exploration of that. And I think I think we were out for about a year um, just kind of driving. And I mean, like, basically the whole west side of the state. Or, sorry, the west side of the country. Hmm. Um, I can't even name all the states we went to. Uh, but basically it was, like, a year of my life where it was just me and my parents and our dogs, and this RV, (laughs) Mm. and a lot of forest, and a lot of fields, and a lot of mountains, um, I remember, like, how old were you when you were in the RV? I think I was eight or nine, I don't really remember very well, uh, but I do remember it just being, like, really quiet a lot, and I think in a lot of ways, I'm always trying to see how quiet I can get it, because I, really enjoyed how quiet it was all the time being in nowhere, mm-hmm. which is weird because I was also just talking about how much I enjoy too much information at once. I enjoy dichotomies a lot and I find nothing wrong with both of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. So that always sticks out to me, especially kind of the end of the journey where we, we ran out of money <laughs> from what my parents tell me. So my mom had to take a job, um, and we ended up in Utah, um, And I went to this school that was like, I think it was a public school, but it was definitely pretty Mormon. Um, Like every, if if it was public school, everybody in the school was Mormon, and it may have been a Mormon school. I'm not sure. (laughs) 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 I really, I don't remember. Um, I remember my mom having some kind of discussion when she was getting me enrolled about A, how long has this child been out of school, and B, why is their hair green and they have too many piercings? Um, (laughs) um, So that was weird. And that was a fun time because I lived, I I went to this school and I didn't really care about 
the school itself, and I didn't really make any friends there, but I didn't really have to think about going to school, because it turns out Utah's curriculum is a lot lower than California's, mm. so I was suddenly back in school, but it was everything I'd studied in the third grade, so right, right. didn't have to think at all, and so I'd just go to school, um, like, going to school was weird, because I'd wake up in the morning in the hotel room we lived in at the time, and then I would walk there. And it was only, like, three blocks because the town we lived in was probably only a couple miles. I don't remember it very well, but there was not a lot of buildings. Mm. It was mostly just desert. Um, it was really flat. The kind of place where you could just see for miles on both sides. And then suddenly there was, like, outcroppings of rocks. Yeah. Did you... How did, how did you guys end up in Utah? Is it just because you ran out of gas there? <laughs> or ran out of money Oh, there? no, my mom found work. <laughs> Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Um, so we needed money, and so she got some kind of, some kind, some kind of archaeology, forestry associated job. I'm not sure what it was. I was too young to really know. Hmm. I just remember living in a hotel room and not having to think about anything but like walking around with my dog in the desert and going back home and eating a microwave pot pie and then walking around in the desert some more with my dog. Oh. Um. Maybe doing some drawings. I remember that was when I first watched the movie Gremlins, and then I was scared to open drawers for, like, the two months we lived there. (laughs) So, how long were you in the RV for? I want to say, like, a year. Okay. Do you know what inspired them to start doing that? To start start taking an RV around and living in it? Not a clue. No. Um, I don't know. That just seems like something my parents would do. Mm. They're kind of itchy people. Mm. Um, I don't think they like it when things are static. Is that like you? Yeah, like, I'm itchy too. Yeah. <laughs> if I do one thing for too long, I get really upset. I'm I'm kind of at that point right now. I've been at a job for a year and a half, and that's like, I don't usually keep a job for longer than a year. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're the same. In that yeah, way. I'm a little itchy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, they're just itchy people. Mm. So we did that, and... We, so we wandered around, and then we lived in Utah for, like, three months. And I remember that point the best, because I think it was weird to suddenly stop moving. Um, after, like, so many nights of, like, sleeping in an RV while my dad was driving it in the dark at, like, God knows what hour, so we could get to the next freaking campsite. Mm. Um, but... That's, that's fucking wild. It was fun. Yeah. I learned a lot. They tried to teach me how to fish. That didn't really work out very well. I caught a fish once, um, and then a bald eagle came out of fucking nowhere and took it off of my line. So (laughs) I haven't really fished since then. (laughs) (laughs) And it was really surprising and frightening because I was like nine. (laughs) Um, Yeah, pretty much the entire trip was so peaceful that the entire, my, my general memory of it is just quietness. Yeah. Like, just, just pure quietness. Like, if you take away direct connections to, like, family or friend, friends or work, it's almost like you remove all of the situations in which something can go wrong. And then it's just you and making sure that you are clothed and fed and washed and everything gets so simple and so quiet that it just kind of blends together, but it blends together well. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of why solitude is so addicting in a way. It's so addicting. Yeah. I just, it's probably why I don't leave my house a lot. Yeah. I yeah. think that's why, <laughs> that's, I think that's why people, when they get older, 
they start yeah. becoming like staying more and more to themselves. It's just because they realize, oh, I don't need all this drama in my life. Yeah. Yeah. The problem with that is that I went through all of that when I was like nine. Yeah. Um, and I got really used to it. And then mm. we moved to Nevada County. Um, again, because that's just where my mom was able to find work. And then we lived in the fairgrounds for like a month or two out in Nevada County, which is like, uh, kind of up, up near Sacramento, Sierra Nevada's area. Mm. Um, and when we were living there, I was able to start going to school again. That was fucking weird. Why? <laughs> well, cause I went, like, I remember the third grade and then I remember leaving and I think I was in the fourth grade when we were in Utah, but we were only there for like three months. Right. So I don't really think I went to the fourth grade. Um, which is weird to think about because, like, fourth grade through, like, fifth grade is, like, when people start hitting, like, pubescence and shit, and people start developing their perceptions about, like, culture and how, like, societies work because there's all these, like, new, like, human situations happening for them, right? Mm -hmm. So I was gone. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just out seas, and then I showed up, and like people had like these behaviors I just didn't recognize. Like what? 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 What was strange to you? <sighs> Human sexuality is a fucking mystery to me. Mm. Like I think that's because of that. I think it's because I wasn't there when people were hitting pubescence. It's just a fucking mystery to me, and like people were suddenly concerned with like, oh, I think this person is like attractive, and to me, I was like. What does that mean? <laughs> hmm. Like, I don't even know what that means. And then, like, suddenly people were, like, shaving their legs and wearing deodorant <laughs> and makeup. And I was, like, not into this. Because I was like, none of this is necessary. Yeah. I just spent a year of my life clothed and fed and happy. And everything you're doing is excess. Mm. And it's So just... I kind of give you, like, this outside view of society. Yeah. Yeah. As a fifth grader. <laughs> yeah. I, and I feel like that's, I feel like who you are today is really influenced by that. Yeah. Like when I, when you tell me that it makes a lot of sense who you are, like how I know you. I loosely talked about it with my mom a couple of times and it, I summarize it as in, I will be 12 years old for the rest of my life because <laughs> like by the time I reentered like school, I was like about 12, like. I mean, that was sixth grade, probably. I think 12 years old is sixth grade. But, like, the fifth grade, I didn't really know a lot of people, so whatever. Like, my closest friend at that time was, um, is this dude named Bowie, and he lived on the Native Reservation, like, a small drive from my house. And I think Bowie was my friend because he wasn't doing any of those things. He mm. was kind of ex exceptionally a strange child. Um, he had some kind of learning disability. I'm not really sure what it was. I think it had to do with reading because he was definitely fully cognitive. Um, I think he just couldn't read or something well. It was, it was weird. I never figured out what it was, but he wasn't allowed to be in like certain classes with me. Mm. Um, and he was fun to hang out with because like he lived on the reservation nearby and his mom would occasionally work with my mom since my mom worked at the forest service. And when we would hang out, we would probably just wander around in the woods, maybe play some video games on, like, an old Nintendo. Um, neither of us really had a lot of technology in our house, because, I don't know, who who has that in the woods <laughs> mm. in, like, 2007? Nobody. <laughs> there wasn't even really good internet out there. We'd just lose internet constantly. Um, 
but yeah, so he was my friend because he wasn't doing any of the weird shit. Um, ironically, I had a massive crush on him. (laughs) 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 Definitely definitely never told him. (laughs) (laughs) Ironically. Um, because in my head I was like, well, that would be cool, but also this dude's like, this dude's my best friend. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so much doper <laughs> than anything that could possibly happen in middle school with, like, these dumbass feelings that are coming out of these dumbass hormones my body's mm. creating. So in my mind, I was just like, mm-mm, you need to go away, feelings, because this is my best friend and I'm keeping him that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which probably is also part of the whole, like, I got, I, I'm, I just, just shunned that entire puberty situation it was like nope i'm gonna i'm i'm just gonna be 12 for the rest of my life <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so so that's basically like that's how i grew up um after that we just moved back to humble like a couple years later so i spent like middle school in the forest in the sierra nevadas and then we went back to humble county to the house that my grandmother owned and i just went through high school there mm-hmm. it was pretty pretty layman's yeah, yeah, how was high school for you? It was fine. I don't know. Again, my friends... my I, I made friends with other people who are kind of outside of that whole, like, exploring adulthood situation. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my friends were, like, artists or musicians or bibliophiles. Um, so generally, we either just spend a lot of time sitting around each other reading... Or sitting around each other drawing, or sitting around each other listening to music. Mm. Not a lot of conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, all pretty quiet people. Yeah. Still keep in touch with a lot of them, but at the same time, we're all pretty quiet people, so we don't really socialize at all. Mm. Um, I'd say my two best friends I actually met in middle school while I was living um, in Nevada County. And though they live in Sacramento area right now, like they still live in Nevada County. And they live three hours away. I see them more than anybody I know. Hmm. <laughs> so that's a that's a great example of what came out of that. Is um, I made two really good friends when I was thirteen, and after that, nothing mattered. <laughs> yeah, I still see them more than anybody that lives in the city I live in. Hmm. Yeah. What What makes them such great friends? I don't fucking know. It's weird, like. They'll come to, they'll come to visit and like usually when people come to visit, you know, you kind of, you kind of lay out like things to do and you like set up nice places to go and like experiences to have each other with each other. And sometimes when we visit each other, it's just so we can sit around the house and read together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's it. Yeah. (laughs) Like one of them, one of them called me up a little while ago and was like, do you want to go to Arizona for the weekend? And I was like, hell yeah. So we get in a car and we go to Arizona because their parents are like renting a house down there. Um, and it's only like a three, four day trip. But it's totally worth it because we did down there and all three of us just spend like two days walking around in the Arizona desert doing nothing else. Hmm. It's not really a hike. We don't have any gear. We have a dog with us. We don't really have much planned. We just get together and go for a walk in Arizona, which yeah. is like, that's my speed. 
<laughs> they're my speed, I guess. Mm-hmm. I like that. So if you don't care about, you don't care about, um, things that make you fit in, like fashion and, um, norms, uh, sexual norms or whatever the yeah. fuck it is. What What do you care about? What matters to you? I remember you said that you were a nihilist. I don't know if that has changed. <laughs> no, that's pretty applicable. <laughs> um, how does that How does that affect to, your life? How yeah. do you affect the decisions that you make? Two concepts that are near and dear to me are nihilism and comedy. <laughs> mm, mm, <laughs> and mm. I feel like the two are completely interchangeable. Which is funny because when people... when Usually if you mention the concepts of nihilism to people, they're like... Oh, so you just think everything's bad and you're sad all the time. Yeah, so what is... Okay, so that's, <laughs> like, that's an no, interesting... that's why I'm happy all the time. What is What does that Damn. mean to you? What does <laughs> what is, what is being nihilist uh, mean to you? Because if everything's dumb and everything's bullshit, then it means nothing matters and you can do whatever you want. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's comedy. <laughs> it's pure freedom. It's like when I go to work and people are like... They're discussing music and they're like... Yeah, I really... Okay, this is a bad example because I do really like Sabbath. But and they're like, yeah, man, the drums in Sabbath or something are dope. Uh, such and such is such a great musician. Blah, 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 chords. And I just put on Weird Al Yankovic. And everyone's like, what the fuck, man? And I'm like, shut up, it's good. <laughs> and I don't know, like, I like Sabbath. I like the concepts surrounding, like, what makes a work of art good or bad but at the same time it's all bullshit so mm. why not listen to a dude sing about yoda for an hour yeah <laughs> yeah in so, itself so, so i then, find that artistic right like you put a lot he puts a lot of effort into that kind of weird shit and it's just kind of blown away as like nonsensical and quirky or god i fucking hate the word quirky but it's like a word people use a lot um or absurd like if something's absurd most people just kind of brush it to the side mm. and at the same time i kind of find that to be really powerful because if you make yourself absurd it means that people won't bother you yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's true okay so so again so again what do you care about oh, being left alone <laughs> <laughs> or in another way like okay so you don't think that there's any inherent meaning to anything, right? I mean, basically. We're all just gonna so you die. make your, so you make <laughs> yeah right. So you make so you kind of make your own meaning. So what yeah. is meaningful to you? Doing whatever I want hmm. for every moment of my life. Yeah, that. And what's that? I don't know. It changes every moment. It's not gonna be the same thing in an hour. I mean, I know that in an hour I have to go uh, call AAA so my car will fucking work. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that means that the next moment I can do what I want to do, which mm-hmm. is drive Evan to work and see what he's working on because I want to do that. So mm-hmm. if I do this one other thing, then I can do more things that I want. Yeah. Yeah. So does that mean that the thing that drives you is whatever you want to do? Yeah. If I so wanna want to do what... it, I'm going to do it. it That's do generally have... how things work. <laughs> do, do you have any... Um... Any things that you, it's not moment to moment, it's like a long-term thing. Like, do you have things that you want to do that are long-term and not just, you know? Mm. I mean, strangely enough, I think that's the same thing. Like. When you do things 
on the daily that you want to do, it yeah. ends up being the long-term thing. Yeah, yeah, I feel like the long-term goal is to feel like everything I've done is something I wanted to do. Mm. Because if it's not something I want to do, then who wants me to do it and why am I doing it for them? Mm. Like, I probably just won't care if I'm doing it for somebody else. It's yeah. like the worst possible concept to me. Mm. Is to do something... Like, not, not necessarily, like, in a, what's the word? Uh, what's that word for, like, not, not charitable, but, um, philanthropy? Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. I wouldn't do something for someone, like, based on being nice, but, like, I'm not gonna... If it's, if it's not, like, I want to be nice to them, then mm. I'm not going to do it. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a poor that's, explanation. That's interesting. I that's think, a poor explanation. No, I mean, it makes sense. I, like, so one thing that I struggle with is I believe the same thing. Like, I'm nihilist, too. Uh-huh. I don't think there's any inherent meaning to anything. And so yeah. you just do whatever the fuck you want to do. Yeah. And then you die. Yeah. And you become a part of the earth. Which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But, but at the same time, I have, like, this... This, I guess you can call it like people pleasing thing or wanting to do something that makes other people happy. Uh Um, So I wonder what, what is it about you that you're able to just do that? Where you're able to just believe, like to act out what you believe in that way. Because for me, like I believe it. Mm-hmm. but I'm not able to live exactly in that way or all the way to that, that belief. Mm-hmm. Um, well, all the people close to me tell me I have no shame. So I guess I don't know how, I don't know what shame feels like. Mm. I, maybe I'm missing that emotion. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, but like my best friend from middle school, her name's Ash. She's been telling me that since I was 12 years old. Mm. She's, she's, she just met me and was like, this human being has no shame. (laughs) I, I, I mean, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like I, to the extent that like in retrospect, sure. I'll be like, oh, that was probably a dumb thing to do. But like at the time my body was like, I'm going to do this thing. And because it was what I wanted to do right then I did it. And I mean, if you don't just do it, then how are you going to know that you shouldn't do it? Hmm. Like, yeah, I have no shame. I'm not. To, I have no shame to the extent that I have a clear memory of sitting in um, one of my friend's apartments down in down in LA. Um, this was like soon after graduating high school. I was uh, I was actually visiting him with the intention of breaking up. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, we're still really good friends. Mm-hmm. He's my friend. Um, <laughs> So I was chilling in his, in his like studio apartment, which had like this one big, this one big wall that was just glass and it was facing an alleyway. Right. Um, and he's like taking a shower or something and I had just taken a shower. So I'm like chilling in the chair. I don't have any clothes on. Um, and I think I'm just like playing video games or something. I can't remember. I'm just like sitting at the desk playing video games naked. And there's this gigantic window next to me and (laughs) This dude, like, walks by and stops at the window and is like, what the fuck? 
<laughs> oh and like God. I'm playing video games and I like notice he's standing there and I'm just like I just look at him and I'm like I just wave at him and then I go back to playing video games because I mean it doesn't make any difference. Yeah. Like okay, someone saw me naked. Whatever. I don't I don't know who you are. Fuck fuck you. I'm playing a game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> and to that extent, like time passes, things happen. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Nothing matters. So what's the point of shame? I don't know. There's no point in it. Shame is a dumb concept yeah. in itself. Like, it it just feels like a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah, but then, like, we're evolved to feel it, right? Because we evolved in communities, and so, in a way, it's, like, in- ingrained in us. I suppose so. I feel like the biggest source of shame is probably religion, and I was not raised with any sort of religion around me. I was so, raised with a lot of different cultures around me, Yeah. but... None of them told me that I should feel shame. Yeah. I was raised with a lot of different Native American cultures around me, for sure, because of the work that my mom's involved in. Mm. Um, I knew a lot of Jewish people growing up. I did know a lot of Christian people, but not like... I don't remember much about it. I remember going to church a couple times with like my granny, but I was so young, it was basically like, we're gonna draw Jesus with crayons. And I was like, <laughs> okay... Um, but then, like, aside from that, my family's always had a lot of, like, multicultural interests. Um, so, like, in our, in our house, we were, I was raised without religion, but we'd be like, this year we're gonna celebrate Day of the Dead. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then, like, for some reason, my great-grandmother had a menorah. I don't know. We're not Jewish. Um, (laughs) it's like we would explore different holidays and things, but there was never any, like, religion around. No. So in that way, I don't think I ever learned that kind of shame because it wasn't it was it wasn't there. No. Um, just wasn't there. And then on top of that, like my parents are fucking hippies. Mm-hmm. Basically, they're gonna hate it if I if I tell them that. And by that I mean my mom knows that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if my dad knows that. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're definitely. I've met them and they're definitely yeah, hippies. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I think my mom once said that she didn't own a bathing suit until I was seven because suddenly we were, like, going to the pool. And mm. she's like, oh, I have to wear a bathing suit here. Because, <laughs> like, before that, like, it was if it was just me and her and, like, another mom she knew and another young child and we went to the river, why would you bring bathing suits? There's nobody else there. Yeah. It's so just children naked. and two naked women. Yeah. Why would you need a bathing suit? So, it's like, I was raised in that kind of situation. Yeah. It's, shame is weird to me. Especially mm. body shame. Super fucking weird to me. Yeah. Um, like, obviously I wear clothes outside and everywhere I go, but that's because, you know, that's hugely indoctrinated. Um, like, so that's one thing in society that you adhere You literally to. can't escape that. It's yeah. kind of a, it's kind of a human leaning. We like to dress ourselves. It's mm-hmm. part of what we do. It's also a cultural thing and not just a shame thing. Yeah. Like, some people make it a shame thing, but I feel like it's more just human culture to, like, dress yourself. It's fucking cold out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> on the flip side, like, so my mom's my mom's very hippie in, like, that kind of way. But then, like, my dad, in some ways I don't feel like I don't know a lot about my dad because he doesn't talk about himself a lot. Mm. But at the same time... He's he clearly grew up with like a counterculture eighties attitude. Like I think my mom said something once about him having like purple dreads at some point 
that they knew each other. And, <laughs> like, he used to skateboard. And he still plays a lot of music, but he he definitely has leanings into, like, genreless noise, electronic, whatever music. Mm. So, like, completely without bounds. Um, yeah. Just do, he, he's definitely a person who does exactly whatever he wants, and so is my mom, and I definitely got that. Yeah. Um, and they both, I think, reject the concept of shame in different ways, but in the same way, that's what I became. Yeah. Yeah. How did they raise you? Like, what do you mean? I think that's, I mean, they, I think that's, that's how. That's a, that's a big fucking question, I guess. I think that's how. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um. I guess what things were they not okay with or were they just okay with everything that you did what values did they they instill instill in you i mean they wouldn't let me be like rude or anything Mm -hmm. i mean that's like normal though yeah um i couldn't like watch our movies and stuff but that's also normal like i feel like they just treated me like a normal (laughs) child Yeah, yeah at the same time i feel like they treated me like a young housemate <laughs> mm. um like I, I tell people that my my parents were my first roommates <laughs> because like i never really felt like i was okay this is a good this is a good example actually when i came to san francisco and i started going to school here i felt like the professors treated me like a fucking child mm, mm-hmm. and before that i couldn't think of a single person that treated me like a child i know what you mean that kind of... It made me almost throw fists a couple yeah, times. Like, yeah. I just wanted to bash some fucking people's faces in. I remember... I remember... <laughs> I was like, mm-mm. Yeah. I remember, I've been I remember places there's... you have not been. Yeah, right. Sir, you are too old like, to Like, I'm understand. a grown adult. I'm an adult. I'm in my, like, late 20s. Can you yeah. let me be myself? Yeah, and you're, you're <clears> even <throat> older. Yeah. I remember there was a class where the... We had, like, a break in the middle. It was a three-hour class. We had a break in the middle. Yeah. And the the teacher would not let us use our cell phones in the classroom. I mean, whatever. I'm not going to pull out a cell phone in the classroom anyway because I don't fucking like cell phones. Okay, um. fine, fine, fine. <laughs> but, like, during a break, you should be able to pull out a cell phone in the while you're sitting in the classroom. That does make sense, yeah. 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 <laughs> As an adult, Yeah, that right? does make sense. Yeah. It's just those... And, and, like, being forced to go to class, that was, like, a weird thing to me. Is it? Mm-hmm. I just always go to class anyway because it's, it's information I paid for. Why right. the fuck am I not going to class? Right. Yeah. That's because I went to a traditional <laughs> university. And so the education there, it's like, you don't have to go to class. You can just watch slides. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, I went to I went to a state university for two years before CCA. Mm. and But I still went to every class. Mm. I had like 100% attendance. Except for calculus, which I failed on purpose. Um, that's a whole other <laughs> story. <laughs> But yeah, like, if if you ask me how I was raised, in my mind, it's it's a hard concept to grasp because I don't feel like I was raised. I feel like I just lived with these people and they taught me what they were doing. Mm. Like, I don't have a lot of memories of being treated as a child. Mm. I think, like, I think I, I mostly, like, the concept of, like, grounding or, like, punishment almost didn't exist. Yeah. Like they would talk to me and then be like, don't fucking do that. And I'd be like, okay. Mm. <laughs> um, I think there was definitely some, sometimes when I had to realize that they were my parents, like, especially in high school when like, 
I guess I wanted to do more things and I just wanted them to talk to me less um, because I was busy doing my things and I didn't really care. But at the same time, I feel like that's me viewing them as like housemates and I'm like, why are you involved in this? <laughs> mm. We live together. Um. <laughs> so, so how has your relationship changed then? Has it changed at all since you were like eight or nine? I don't feel like it has. I feel like it's almost the same. Um, like my parents are 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 like mm, some of my best friends, basically. Mm. I mean, like right now, like I'm I keep getting text messages from my dad constantly, and he's like, "I'm gonna cut off your toes if you don't come visit us in August." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Come play with us. We just bought property. <laughs> we have a pool now." Yeah. <laughs> so it's like. When I hear from them, it's like a little bit of like a, I'm your parent and I'm checking up, but it's also like, dude, let's go do something. Mm. <laughs> let's go have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Which like, I feel like that's always kind of how it's been. Like maybe that's why we end up in that RV for an entire year of my life. It was just them being like, let's just go have fun with our fucking kid. Mm-hmm. Like, screw going to work. We have a kid and these two awesome dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, it feels like, that's something that parents could do more of. Like, other parents could do more of. Dude, I think... I don't really ever want to be a parent, Mm -hmm. but, like, damn, I wish parents would stop treating their fucking kids like kids. Mm -hmm. Like, to an extent, I think the concept of treating children like adults is extremely undervalued. I I agree. Yeah. Uh, That's something I've been thinking about, like, for if I ever have kids. Yeah. Like, I think it's it is valuable to treat kids like adults because we're all we're all either we're all children at heart like yeah. I mean we 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 are emotionally all children basically we don't there's age no, past there's like no 10. fucking difference there's no adult and kid yeah exactly yeah. there's no adult and kid it's just there's we're no we're difference. just a human with yeah. an experience yeah yeah <laughs> with less words to describe it and less experience yeah like I don't know and to that extent to 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 that point. If you if you act like a child around children, which essentially means if you act like you have no development, like you've had no experiences, mm-hmm. they're not going to have they're gonna have the same the same feelings, of course. So yeah. if I know it kind of comes to like that concept that people have where they're like, after I had a child, I had to become a better person because suddenly you know you're rubbing off on them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that my parents probably went through because like. I think they told me once that they found out they were pregnant with me when they were, like, living in a van preparing to move to San Francisco. Mm. And then they, like, they couldn't. Yeah. Like, they were preparing to, like, come down here and, like, live in a van and be artists. Uh Uh-huh. And then they're like, we're gonna have a fucking kid. And instead they, my mom went back to school and my dad got a job. And, like, they were like, we have to fucking do this now. Yeah. But they did it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's something there. Like, it's something that... It's... To me, I describe it as, like, almost like a psychedelic drug. Like, you cannot (laughs) experience what a parent... Like, being a parent is like until you are a parent. Oh, yeah, Like, all of my friends who are parents, they describe it as, like, the most beautiful thing. Like, I've never felt more love in my life. I heard someone describe it as, like... It felt like their heart was walking outside of their body. That's fucking weird. Yeah. That's terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm going to keep that where it is. <laughs> yeah, why, why not? Why no kids? I don't know. Maybe I don't have enough experiences yet. Mm. Yeah. What scares you about having a kid? Or does anything scare you or what is it? I don't know. Maybe I'm too... I think I'm just very me focused. Mm. And to me, having a kid, I mean, like you described, if it's like having your heart outside of your body, I don't want that. Yeah. It's scary. And not necessarily scary. I just don't want that. Hmm. I don't want to. That's not the situation I want to be in. Like you don't have to have to care for somebody that yeah. much. Yeah. That's not what I want to do. Hmm. Um. I don't know what I want to do, but that's not what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's not necessarily like a scary thing because in my head I'm like, okay, yeah, children, whatever. You feed them. You clothe them. You say no. And then, like, that's, to me, that's what my parents did. And mm-hmm. to me, that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But at the same time, they're just kind of disgusting. <laughs> 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 yeah, like, they're fucking sticky. Everything they touch is fucking sticky. I like, yeah. I like things to be cleaned. <laughs> um... <laughs> I have a hard enough time keeping the house clean with one partner and a housemate. Mm-hmm. I, no. Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. No, I, I get it. Fucking sticky. I mean, <laughs> one thing that gets me at, like, whenever I, I'm around kids uh-huh. and they're pleasant and I'm like, oh, maybe I would want a kid. <sighs> one thought that comes to me is like, you can't refund a kid. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't just buy, you know, like a, like a shirt. You, you yeah. can return a shirt. You can't return a kid once you have it and you're stuck with that kid for the rest of your life at least you have some relationship if not i mean at least until you're 18 legally legally yeah i guess i don't know yeah it's more like a even 10 years is a pretty big commitment i mean i don't (laughs) feel like having a kid is a commitment i feel like it's an addition to your life for the Mm. rest of your life Mm -hmm. so that's what's the the difference to you what commitment versus addition Commitment's like something you have to do. Hmm. Like, when you commit yourself to something, it's a choice. Having a kid isn't a choice sometimes. Hmm. It's an addition. At least, I think that's how it was framed to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you have a kid, it's not your choice whether or not they're a part of your life. They came out of you. Mm Mm-hmm. They're a part of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I'm not looking for that. (laughs) Yeah. Basically. Hmm. So, what are you scared of? Of what, what? In life. In life, yeah. Dying and feeling like other people shaped my life. That. (laughs) That simplistically that Mm. however that defines itself yeah it's all that (laughs) yep there's not really there's not really any more to it like i don't know what that looks like i don't know what that will feel like Mm -hmm. but i'm trying to avoid it (laughs) all right but i'm trying to avoid that yeah yeah um so the last question so we as humans put up statues of people, not because we love those people, but because we love what those people represent. 
So when you pass on from this life and the world puts up a statue of you, uh-huh. what would you want that statue to represent? And where would you want it to be? I don't want a fucking statue. I knew I knew <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> Why are we talking about statues? <laughs> Metaphorically. What would you want a statue of you to represent? Uh, to the world, to people who come and visit it. I don't think I would even want it to be a place. Like if 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 I was something somebody could visit or reference to remember something about me, I think I would want it. That's a hard fucking one. Mainly because I think I have su- I think I have such a hard time conceiving what other people might be thinking about me that I'm not sure what I would want them to think about me. What? Like or even remember about me. Maybe it's not about you, maybe it's how to live life. But how do you translate that? Like, that's different. Again, like, first, we're back to the first question now. Mm-hmm. How to live life? That's different for everybody. Yeah. I, you, can't, you can't translate that. I can't tell them. This works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, like, for me, like I said, it's, it's doing whatever I want at every moment I want or preparing myself in such a way that it means I can do more of what I want later. Mm-hmm. But for some people, they might find absolute happiness in doing things explicitly based on what the people around them want. Yeah. And in a way, that's doing what they want, but in a way, it's not. And that's for them. And so, I can't really leave my own, my own thoughts to anybody else. Because I have no idea what their explicit situation is. And that is what's wrong with life advice. (laughs) Because it's all bullshit. Um, Maybe that. How about a big pile of poop on the sidewalk? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you or someone you know would be interested in being interviewed for the Earthian podcast, Reach out to us on Instagram at WeAreEarthian. And of course, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you and have a beautiful day.